Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford. Come right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and of course, the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that magical five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe. That's right. Subscribe today. Hit that little button right below us, right there for you so you can get the latest notifications on when we go live on the air with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos-related show. Or are we going on for tabletop RPG action? Or more, go ahead and check it out today, right here when you subscribe or like us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it wouldn't be a PCC multiverse without my good friend. She is the magistrate of everything tabletop RPG action, including Forbidden Lands. Also, as well, she's heavily involved in the making of a new, 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 new season of Vampires and Vitae. Also, everything she does within the realm of tabletop RPG action, it is my good friend. It is Melinda Barkhouse Ross and Melinda. Great to have you here. Movies, 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 Marvel, 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 Star Trek, Star Trek, Star Trek. Doesn't get any more nerdy or pop culture than that. Or perfect. You left the word perfect out of that. Well, if we threw some video games in there, that would be great. But I'm doing that on Monday's show, and we've been doing Mm -hmm. that for the past couple weeks. So, you know, I think all these conferences are starting to subside. You know, they, okay, we don't have an E3, but it was kind of like an E3 where all these uh, different publishers and developers, they had their own press conferences and showcases. My gosh. No E3 was an E3, and it just seemed like E3, but it wasn't E3. So we'll go from there. But no video game talk really on this episode. That's going to be for Monday when Josh Peterson returns. We're looking forward to that. Plus, Don Fobbs talks her best of television so far in 2023. For us today, though, it is The Flash. We're going to be talking about some of that. Plus, also as well, Star Trek Strange New Worlds Season 2. Marvel's Secret Invasion coming up next week on Disney+. And, of course, what we're going to talk about here as well later in the show, we're going to give out some grades on some of these summer movies and how they've performed so far at the box office as well. But first, my friend, speaking of the box office, the movie most expected to take the top spot this weekend, and I would think it would be a major disappointment with all the Money spent on advertising and hype and all the things that we've been talking about, both positive and negative in regards to this. It is The Flash with Ezra Miller. It is coming out this weekend. And you and I have talked extensively about this, but I think we really need to go ahead and get it into a little bit more detail because it is here. I think it's still coming out well too soon. I think if this is supposed to be a soft reboot, um, excuse me, the part of the, the pun here, but Flashpoint, 
for a new DC universe. I really think it should have come after everything that's all said and done that's made that in the non-James Gunn universe first, but it's here and it's looking to go ahead and do some of the damage that has been done over the past few years. All this disarray, all the Snyderverse wannabe stuff that was going on in the past couple years and actually close to 10 years now. Looks like it's going to be either erased or lightly dusted over or transformed or moved away with everything that's going on in the flash. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everything that I'm seeing and and I'm reading from uh, reviewers and and stuff like that has all been incredibly positive uh, for the movie. So uh, that that's good to hear. I found it interesting because. Uh, a lot of the stuff that that you and I were seeing and that we had talked about uh, kind of showed us or showed them almost doing like a recut sort of. And I don't mean that literally, but it just in philosophy. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. A lot of the stuff that I saw was them taking the focus off of the Flash and putting it onto Batman instead in the movie. But now um, I feel like there's been a, a, a refocus again on uh, the character of the Flash. Um, it just seems to be that he's, the, the again, the focus of, of a lot of the ads and, and stuff like that that I'm seeing. So it's just been uh, kind of interesting to, to watch how all of this has, has rolled out and how they're handling or not handling uh, the troubles that Ezra Miller is going through. Hey, Jen, good to have you here in the house. Always great to have you part of what we're doing here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. You know you're welcome to come on the show anytime you want. When you're available to do so, always glad to have you here watching. But it is the flash. It is the big ticket this weekend, or so it seems, because also coming out this week, and we'll talk go a little bit more as far as all the controversy, and we'll, we'll gloss over that once again, and our apprehensions on seeing this film after what's gone on here in the first place. We'll touch on that in a sec, but some other interesting things that are happening in the world of box office. And I think this is going to be, again, another sore spot for Pixar as Elemental comes out this weekend. Something that I thought, you know, actually would be a well thought of movie, but the timing, it reminds me a lot of what's going to go take place next month with Barbie and Oppenheimer. I really think only one movie of these two this weekend will thrive. It's not going to be both The Flash and Elemental. I really think that's the problem. And I thought that Disney may have made a mistake in releasing it this week. Yeah. And, you know, that the movie looks like another uh, adorable uh, movie. So I'm uh, very much uh, looking forward to seeing that one. Well, uh, that one I'm going to go ahead and say I'm, I'm hopeful for something really good. Again, I've told you I, I have someone that I've known for a long time that works at Pixar that's really hopeful for some good returns after what happened last year with Lightyear, Turning Red, which was absolutely fantastic. That should have been the movie that actually got released to theaters and not Lightyear. I really think that they could have reversed their fortunes. Coming out this time around, head up against The Flash, I think was a mistake on Disney's part. Usually they're very careful about that. And we'll talk about some of the changes going on with some of the movies they have coming down the road here in a little bit as well. But when it comes to Elemental, a, a, a movie which you know is garnering decent reviews, it's not being thrashed over like Elemental was. It's not considered one of the best Pixar movies, but still... You know it's got a good move. You know it's kind of always a good heart and a good 
story to tell. I really like the fact that it's kind of like two teenagers in love, but because they come from two sides of the different different sides of the street, that you know, there's different in this case different elements. That uh, it's you know, if you're looking into the bigger picture and what it represents, I think it tells that great narrative. I think that people need to go ahead and check this out. Your thoughts a little bit more on why Elemental would appeal to you as something you may eventually go see. Well, I just, um, I don't know. It just, perhaps it's the animation style. Perhaps it's a need to have something that is adorable and fun to watch that is going to carry um, a, a positive message to it. Um, and uh, I mean, that's purely speculation at this point, but I can't imagine a Pixar movie that's going to end on a, a downturned note. Um, so um, I'm very much looking forward to that. And I think that um, any opportunity that you can have to uh, get kids to a movie that's going to encourage a, a conversation around any kind of thing uh, that could be considered to be a, like an adult's if issue or an adult problem, uh, that kind of stuff, uh, or like a, an adult focused, um, situation. Um, I think that, uh, it's a good one. And I think that, uh, the, these Pixar movies as they come out, uh, including even, um, oh gosh, sorry. In, inside, inside out, inside out. Yeah. Inside um, you know, like I, I, and even with, um, the big red Wait. panda. Oh, <laughs> turning red. I'm so sorry, Gerald. I'm missing all of the beats here for you today. Um, like okay. that, and turning red. Fine. I think that it's it's giving an opportunity and a platform for parents and kids to have those conversations. And I think it's really important. And I think that it's a, it's a lovely opportunity and a, and a great way to uh, to start that conversation with kids. I hope so. I hope so yeah. because again, I think you know it's always a very subtle way of of storytelling with pixar mm -hmm. i know that you know they've not gotten the same kind of love that they once did with their movies but again turning red for us was one of the best of, of last year still very 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 high on it uh, i think elemental will tell a good story as well whether or not it will achieve financial success remains to be seen might be one of those ones that stays under the radar but get, gets consistent money each and every week Whereas the flash will be, you know, the flash in the pan type deal where it'll get a lot of its money up front. So we'll see what happens. But with the flash, you know, again, it is uh, earning some uh, some decent reviews out there as well. Ezra Miller, uh, whether or not his future in the DC universe, the Justice League or whichever way you want to say it, that is still very much in question due to the legal issues that he that they have uh, attained over the course of the past few years, almost said he meant, meant to say they. So your thoughts on this, you and I have talked about this extensively off and on the air, something that has prevented you from actually wanting or desiring to go see this movie. And I cannot yeah. say I blame you, mm -hmm. but they have made a statement in recent days, obviously at the premiere at the flash, they had to say something and, Obviously, they're trying to turn a corner. They're trying to get help that they need in order to go ahead and become a better person and put a lot of this in the past. Yeah, and that's certainly the the hope, uh, I think, that a lot of people have for Ezra. I, I think that once they um, 
begin to to unpack whatever it is that's going on there I, I think that it's going to do a lot of great things for them i think it it's going to uh, give them a, a deeper understanding of themselves which is incredibly important to have as you grow and, and into uh you know a, a proper um you know uh, functioning person in society and i think that uh you know therapy is an incredible way to do it um i'm purely speculating on what kind of help that they are getting. Um, but, you know, you, I'm rooting for them. I want them to do well. I want them to get the help that they need. And it sounds like they are open to the help, which is an incredibly huge first step. Um, so whatever is going on there, I, I do hope that um, they can find a way to come through it and can find a way to, to come back to, uh, you know, a positive place. And I hope that, um, this is an example of how a person can, um, kind of get through something that is obviously very difficult, whatever it is that they're facing, um, and, uh, land back on their feet and continue to, uh, keep going on the up and up. I, I don't think that, this is where their journey in terms of the entertainment industry is going to end. I think that that's going to continue for a while because I do think that they're incredibly talented. And uh, I do hope that um, they continue on the, this path. And um, I, I really do uh, think that uh, they're, they're going to do fine once they come out on the other side of it. Well, let's certainly hope so for them and also for the DC Universe and, and actually their career as well. Let's see if that's going to take place. Uh, I want them to believe that, that that they are going to get better and they are going to be a productive uh, individual in society once again. Yeah. And again, looks like we we'll, probably won't deter too many people outside of you and maybe me as well about going to see the flash in theaters i think there's still going to be a market for it it's still expected to do number one of the box office we'll de definitely see but the last movie of the weekend it's in limited release so far it'll be rolled out to a wider audience here later in the month wes anderson's asteroid city so your thoughts <laughs> this one is going to be a lot of fun to watch it's just the weird quirky wes anderson style of movie making you either get it or you don't, and it, believe me, there's a lot of people that just don't like Wes Anderson movies, and I cannot say I blame you, but for me, I do like them. I do enjoy them. There are some really good ones as far as that he's made in the past 25 years, which are really, uh, which really stand at the test of time and really are some of the best movies that, that have come out there. And I think that this movie is being well thought of, in IGN's case, they thought it was one of the best, if not the best, Wes Anderson movies. I don't know if that's the case. I think it's still, again, being thought of in the realm of a very good movie for Wes Anderson and a very good movie overall. But your thoughts on Asteroid City, which just, it's just laden with a whole bunch of star power. Is that enough to get it done? I mean, it could be because it's it seems like every time I see the commercial, I see another actor. Um, that I didn't know was in this film. And uh, I think that that's a credit to Wes Anderson and his style of movie making and, um, you know, the enjoyment that actors must get out of being involved in one of his projects. Because, uh, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a big roster. That's a whole lot of stars he has in that movie. Absolutely. I just, the list goes on and on from Tom Hanks, Lee Schreiber, just 
the Steve Carell, just just a list that goes on. Scarlett Johansson, just yeah. the list goes on. Margot Robbie's in there as well, you know, because she's not busy enough as is. So, yeah, there's just a ton of big names in this, and it's just the quirkiness of what's going on. It, this is truly a Wes Anderson film. I'm actually looking forward to catching it sometime. I don't know when, and I know it's in limited release, but if you are out there and you do enjoy Wes Anderson movies or you actually want to know what one is really all about, go ahead and check out Asteroid City starting this weekend. So, And I think you'll be glad you did. Yeah, I think so too. I think it's only going to be a, a positive experience. Absolutely, indeed. But what are your thoughts on this weekend at the box office? Are you in a flash to go see The Flash? Or is it Elemental? You'll see Elemental. Or are you looking up for some asteroids at Asteroid City? Please let us know your thoughts on what you're checking out at the box office this weekend. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. So much more to discuss on today's episode, Melinda. Just great to have you here. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford along with Melinda Barkhouse-Ross. Please check out the latest season of Vampires of Vitae heading your way this weekend right there for you. Whether you like it or not, it is coming at you. So there you go. Vampires and Cowboys. It doesn't get any better than that. It is Vampires and Vitae Season 3, so go ahead and check it out this weekend. Looking forward to it indeed. But my friend, on this episode, I still want to talk about something that you and I both enjoy talking about, and that is Star Trek. You know, and I've been called the Star Trek fan, and I thought I was the Star Trek fan of the show until you came, you energized, <laughs> that, you know, you went through the transporter beam and you energized onto this show. So you are the Star Trekkie. You're the, you're the Trekkie of the show, I have to say. I'm, I'm knowledgeable on Star Trek, as I've told you, I've seen either all or parts of all the series, but not everything. So I can't recite everything. So I can't, you know, go ahead like you with, with your Klingon, your, your second language, you know, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you're Canadian, you're French, yeah. English and Klingon. Klingon. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, absolutely. So you're, you're trilingual there. So <laughs> DJ uh, is putting out life aquatic uh, of Steve Suzo. Yeah, that's absolutely great. Great performance by Bill Murray, absolutely, on Wes Anderson movies. Yeah, if anybody needs help with Wes Anderson movies, hit us up at Pop Culture Cosmos. We would really love – we give you a list. I will take time to give you a list of Wes Anderson movies to go ahead and check out because there are some really good ones indeed. But Star Trek, Strange New Worlds, Season 2, which I told you last year when we were doing our countdown of the best in pop culture – was in my top 10 i think in my top five i think i put it, it as far as some of the best television or pop culture period that came out last year and i told you it was awesome the fact that it was episodic the fact that it was going back to the old days of the original series and going you know what is this new monster or new planet of the week that they're dealing with instead of just an overarching story like we've seen for years now with discovery and card and some of this other stuff that's going on it works to an extent but it was kind of a fresh change to go back to the way it once was with the original series i'll ask you this though 
the thing that generated the most interest and the reason why I gave it such a high score is that they, it just came across that they all enjoyed working with each other and working on this platform, the Star Trek platform. Your thoughts, because you can see it now. If you go to Paramount Plus on their YouTube channel, you can see season one in its entirety. They've got all the episodes there. Season two is coming out this weekend. Are you excited for season two of Strange New Worlds? Of course. And I am um, mildly upset that you have to have Paramount Plus in order to be able to watch this Star Trek. It, it's to me, it's a disservice to to the fandom. And I understand, you know, you want to drive people to get subscriptions and you want them to subscribe and do well, all of that. Well, this leads to a larger question I have for you, but keep mm -hmm. going, keep going. Well, no, it just, I, I don't like that. Um, I think that Star Trek should be for the people. <laughs> so I ask you this, mm -hmm. and this is something I've been thinking about since I, I've been actually talking about Star Trek Strange New Worlds. And this is some of the best Star Trek you can see, period. Hands yeah. down. Stop right there. It is on Paramount Plus. You're right. Uh, CBS, Paramount, they don't have enough faith. In fact, to put this on a broadcast network platform, they didn't, and they didn't have enough faith to put Discovery in a first run on that platform either. They put it like later in the cycle. They put it like they put you know back episodes on it, and it did nothing during the summer. And they decided to put it from there, and that was back in season one of Discovery. So they really gave it no chance of that. I want to ask you this, and we've also talked, and this leads me into the larger scope of Star Trek because of the fact that it has an audience, but how big is that audience? How big does that audience translate into numbers and dollars? The thing, reason why I'm asking you is because I've been thinking about it long and hard since I saw the interview with Chris Pine you know, pitching Dungeons & Dragons. When asked about Star Trek, he said he wouldn't mind doing many more. So he doesn't mind playing Kirk many more times it's not something he's tired of the thing is though we also saw in 2008 probably one of the best if not the best representation ever of a star trek that could go ahead and uh, generate enthusiasm or generate interest to a larger audience I mean, you may not think it's the best star trek film i think it's the best star trek film for a casual audience that has ever been created yeah, you know, and that, I mean, that really the is... appeal. The appeal of it is just something that it appealed to Trekkies, and it over the years on cable, and it's been you know one of the most watched movies of the past ten years. It's just appealed to a larger audience, but it only garnered less around five hundred million dollars worldwide. Is there a limit to Star Trek fandom, and that's the reason why there's no billion dollar Star Trek movies, and there's no big mega hit broadcast television series well i i think that there there's a couple of things happening and the, i think star trek kind of fell into um almost relying on the techno babble um for a little while particularly with next generation it is really what i'm thinking of it's kind of the first thing that comes to mind with the, the techno babble um but because when it was generating when when tng and i will give them effort and, and also deep space night when they were in syndication yeah they were garnering and generating huge multi-million 
numbered audiences. So I will give them respect on that, but they weren't on a broadcast outlet. They were on a, you know, your local market. They were, you know, wherever they could go ahead and put the show on. They were not on a CBS, ABC, NBC here in the United States. And, and I don't think they were on the, you know, in Canada, the main channels for Canada as well. So I think that what the, the chance, the risk that they're, that they need to take to me, I think is to, to put, Star Trek Discovery and they need to not Star Trek Discovery I'm sorry Strange New Worlds and put it on a network give it a time slot and allow people to discover it allow people to sit down and sample it and see that you're not going to get lost in a bunch of Star Trek jargon when you're watching the show there is some but there's not as much as there once was um it really does seem like it has taken um, the focus and put it back onto the crew and the stories and the interpersonal relationships um, that happen on the ship. And I think that once people discover that, then they're going to, then they're, it's just, it's going to be off to the races. I think it's, it's going to just go super, super huge. Because when you, I mean, in the annals of streaming or first things first, okay. If you and I were creating a Star Trek show, Yep. The first place I want to put it is on Netflix because that has the worldwide audience. The largest audience that can actually see it would be on Netflix right now or Amazon, you know, something like that where there's 200 million plus subscribers. That's obviously number one. Now, broadcast television has more than 200 million homes available to it, but you and I both know on a regular basis, seven to 10 million people tops watch television at the same time as far as broadcast is concerned. So, if that's the case, fine. But Paramount Plus is not one of the largest, not even by a long shot, you know, as far as have that reach. It's still trying to get to 100 million, much less 200 million. So to me, I think it's imperative that they try to go ahead and and put a Star Trek series on broadcast television and see it click. Because, I mean, there's so many dramas that they throw on so many formulaic stuff that they have they have this audience at cbs an older audience they do skew older i i get that i understand but maybe a star trek strange new worlds would would just try to re would resonate would resonate with a younger audience on broadcast television but to me i think it leads to a larger issue of star trek and its popularity about how i think it has a ceiling because again i do want another star trek movie out there with the crew, the Kelvin crew that we know of with Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, et cetera, et cetera, Zoe Saldana and mm -hmm. all that. I'm just not sure if it'll ever outpace the performance of the original Star Trek, even though it has to, the original Star Trek reboot, even though it has to simply by sheer financial numbers. Because if you put out another movie, it's going to cost 200 to 250 million. And you need to admit to make at least five to seven hundred million before you can even sneeze and get something else done. Honestly, I think that Strange New Worlds is the iteration of Star Trek that could do that. Mm -hmm. I really do. I, I think that uh, the gentleman who plays Captain Pike, Anson, I'm sorry, I Anson can't remember Mount. his last name. Anson Mount, yeah. yes. He's so good. He's so didn't good. I, didn't I scream at you at this time last mm -hmm. year about how good he was and how I was so mad that he was a... He was the the in the Marvel show, the the series, the Inhumans that bombed terribly. That and his and his roles, the guy is the superhero who uh, cannot speak, and when he does yell, whatnot, it's so loud, you know, it just resonates so bad, it yeah. you know, destroys and kills. Like, 
So he cannot literally speak. He is so good at what he does, and yet he was not able to speak for Marvel. And I thought it was absolutely sin to Kevin Feige. And I thought one of his biggest bumbles was actually not have Anson Mount on a higher platform. You're right. He leads and carries this series. Everybody else is great in it. But I'm just telling you right now, it's just something that I think was a miss by Marvel and a hit for Star Trek. But again, is that enough to resonate this with a larger audience? I think so, because I think that the the core of a Star Trek show is the captain. And if the, the captain of the ship is not compelling, if it's not, if the captain of the ship is not interesting, if the captain of the ship isn't carrying some kind of, of conflict or whatever it is that is an overarching plot to the show, not just your, your episodic one. Um, I think that it's doing a disservice. And I think that Star Trek is at its best when it has a captain who is the, the core of the show. And I think that Captain Pike does that. I think that Anson plays it beautifully. And I just, it's a shame that this is not getting network exposure. Rob McCallum Films is back with a vengeance. Power of Grayskull, the definitive history of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, which chronicles the ultimate 80s billion dollar franchise, Masters of the Universe. See exclusive interviews and hear untold stories from the people responsible for creating the world of Eternia, a place full of magic and science, and learn about the craft of creating action figures and animation. Power of Grayskull is just one of our many projects at Rob McCallum Films. Yeah, DJ, he agrees with me. Unfortunately, it's a little little too late for Strange New Worlds to go ahead and do that because if it comes out now on CBS, it's probably just going to be put in the death slot and you and I will be just cursing CBS all over. They'll probably put it like Sunday nights at 10 or something like that. So yeah, like yeah. great. DGen says by the time it hits network, all on Paramount Network, it will have been played out on Paramount Plus. Yeah, that, that's probably the case. So. Uh, yeah, but you're you're forgetting about the channel surfers, right? The the channel surfers who are just going to accidentally discover the show and then tell their friends about it. Like that yeah. that really grassroots organic discovery of a show. You they know, didn't I, give I Star Trek Discovery missing. much of a chance though. I mean, they when they were showing well, the episodes that had already appeared on Paramount Plus, they showed it like in that later summer from season one on CBS as filler during the course of summer. It didn't do well at all, and they just never blinked twice since. Yeah, the, I think some of the problem with, I, I'm sorry, this is going to be a Star Trek episode, I guess, but I think that the, the problem with Star Trek Discovery was, was, was that first sweep of episodes where there was just so much Klingon, and, and please, I love me the Klingons, but my goodness, that was too much, and it was spoken solely in Klingon with all of those subtitles and, and all of that. It was just a lot to ask from anybody who would be like, let's give this new Star Trek show a shot and you know that's what you were greeted with it wasn't compelling television for a new star trek a new person giving star trek a chance to to see it was great for the old fans and those of us who've been around for ages but uh, for somebody who might just be giving a star trek episode a shot that would have been very off-putting absolutely i agree with you so we'll see what happens i'm hoping that paramount will someday put it on a platform that will actually garner a mass amount of individuals that are new to the Star Trek universe and hopefully we'll appreciate it as much as we do as well. But before we head to the break, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and get your thoughts again in a few days. Disney Plus will debut the series known as Secret Invasion, which is always a fun time because it involves Nick Fury 
I have actually more interest in this because Samuel L. Jackson is back. Some of the past, what, three years now plus since Avengers Endgame has been a very much of a mixed bag, both on Disney Plus and also on the movies. And I've watched it all and I've just, again, just up and down, up and down, up and down. DGen says he knows the secret. I wonder if he's a, a scroll. Maybe you are, my friend, and you just don't know it yet. But your thoughts, my friend, on Marvel Secret Invasion. And uh, before we head on out. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, I, I have, uh, you know, Disney Plus, and I, it's, it's one of those subscriptions that um, I haven't let go of. Paramount Plus, even with Star Trek on it, um, because I don't really watch a whole lot else on Discovery or on Paramount Plus. I, I tend to let that one drop off for a few months, and then I might pick mm-hmm. it back up again. Um, but Disney Plus is absolutely uh, one of Emperor's those Emperor's New Groove, baby! Yeah, that I hold on to for so many reasons. And Emperor's New Groove, Hercules, and Beauty and the Beast are only three of those reasons. Um, but but uh, no, I, I'm always clocking the new the new Marvel shows when they pop up on Disney Plus. And um, even, uh, you know, the Star Wars stuff, begrudgingly, as a Star Trek fan, I've, I look forward to a new season or, or whatever. So well, And or um, killed it. So if they yeah. can take anything from that, I know the book of Slobo Fett was not exactly <laughs> the most thrilling. Yeah. Uh, Kenobi, you could take it or leave it as far as that's concerned. I thought it was okay, even though the battles themselves were hilarious. Let me just throw a rock on you and then just walk away assuming you're dead. How about that? Because I know later on in a movie that was made 40 years ago, I'm supposed to let you live and then kill you then. So, yeah, for sure. Okay figure that one out yeah but well I, I mean star wars logic there's there's you know there's logic in all of those kinds of shows so absolutely reminds yeah. me so much of a final fantasy 16 which we should also <laughs> talk about before we head on out as far as maybe put some video game talk in there after all but we'll see but i think that when it comes to what we're seeing with uh, secret invasion of marvel uh, i like to see what's going on it's just intrigue this is this reminds me a little bit of the best of the Marvel movies that's out there. And that's Captain America Winter Soldier because of the spy factor, because of the intrigue, because of the deception that went on in that movie and what ultimately, you know, we learned and, you know, the shock that came to us as far as, you know, that, that Hydra was actually, you know, it had infiltrated every part of the, what was going on. And it's, it's just a complete shock. And, my gosh, what, what Captain America and Black Widow had to do to go ahead and help save the world at that point in time. So your thoughts on this as far as Secret Invasion, can it grab some of that nostalgia? Can it grab some of that intrigue, some of that espionage love that we have from, again, one of the best, if not the best, entries in the MCU? Actually, if you go to popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, Hint, hint, spoiler, you'll see it at number one for me as far as the top of the MCU list. But your thoughts on if it can have some of that that little je ne sais quoi that Captain America Winter Soldier has. I mean, I'm certainly pulling for that to be the case. I certainly want that to be the case. And uh, I think that, um, you know, Marvel has had a, a few misses recently, you, we can say. Um, and uh, I think that they they need a win. And I certainly hope that uh, this will be uh, a win in the, uh, well, a, a tick under the W column. There you go uh, for Marvel. 
Djen says Agents of Shield vibes as well. I'm not a big fan of Agents of Shield. I got tired of that after season one. I can tell you, and I know it dragged on seemingly forever. And I think in the case we just talked about Star Trek being put on a broadcast platform, I think Agents of Shield being on a broadcast platform, Melinda, I think that was its undoing. I just thought it just made it less compelling each year. And it just became just another ABC show. Uh, yeah. Agent Carter was great in season one and just, just like didn't take that momentum into season two and just flopped, which is the reason why it got canceled after two seasons. Uh, I think with, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., it just dragged. It just dragged on. I just lost interest after a little while. And I'm, you know, I just think that this could spice things up. It's only six episodes. And I think that's for the best for something like this that could really tell some good stories that will resonate uh, in future things like uh, Captain America next year, which is no longer New World Order, but now Brave New World. Yeah, I, I think that uh, the this series, as long as it is six episodes that are like action packed and always forward moving in six episodes, you don't need to stop down for one of the infamous shopping episodes that we always talk about. Um, you, you don't need a break from storytelling when you only have six episodes. You can you can you can hit the gas and you can stay on the gas, maybe even hit the NOS a couple of times. Because I even told you with Star Wars Andor, which was also one of the best shows mm -hmm. of last year, they did have a couple episodes which were filler, aka shopping episodes, as you've yeah. talked about. Uh, and six episodes, you don't need to. You can just hit it hard and heavy for six episodes that will yes. really resonate with an audience. Yeah, six episodes that are just relentless. That's what it needs to be. Absolutely. And believe me, the Marvel Cinematic Universe coming off the decent performance, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, as far as our box office grades with Guardians of the Galaxy, it, you know, getting things in the right direction would be great. And it all starts with Marvel's Secret Invasion coming next week as we talk about this. So what are your thoughts out there on Marvel's Secret Invasion? Are you going to catch the Secret Invasion? Are you glad to see Nick Fury back? even though it really doesn't uh, explain why he was missing for quite a bit of time. I know he was in the space station and all that, but you know, you hear him in these interviews and he really wanted to be part of some of these other movies like black Panther and black Panther Wakanda forever wanted to be a part of that and can't understand why he wasn't. So uh, your thoughts though, on Marvel's secret invasion, are you glad to see this invasion for Marvel and where it will lead out? Let us know your thoughts, pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we head on out, we will actually save the Final Fantasy 16 talk to next week. And thank goodness, because Final Fantasy, trying to explain that and why they just jump around so much as far as their numbers actually hurts my brain mm. when I talk about that, just like the Fast and Furious movies do. And I actually saw one earlier this week, Fast X, and hurt my brain even more. So before we head on out, t says, I am furious for Secret Invasion and cannot wait. Pardon the pun right there for you, but uh, DGen says he's going to get Final Fantasy 16. Got it. Uh, you know, more power to you if you really go ahead and support Final Fantasy. But before we head on out, my friend, wanted to go ahead and you know, do a little bit of a update on the box office as far as the movies that have come out so far this box office season as far as the summer season which started with guardians of the galaxy volume three and we'll give it a little bit of grade as far as 
what these major movies have done so far? Or did you want to even go farther back to when it was actually in February when some of these even, uh, you know, hit movies came out even more? You tell me how far back do you want to go on? I mean, do we go back to like when John Wick dropped? Is that? I had a feeling you might say that. Yeah. You can. You can. Yeah. I, I think that that's, that's a good spot to start. Okay, so we'll start with that period of time when there were some really good movies coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we'll start with Shazam, Fury of the Gods, which came out in February. The end result for Shazam, Fury of the Gods was a $132 million worldwide take. And, you know, already, as you and I both know, if you've seen the commercials, it's already out on Max. It's not perceived to be very well thought of in the annals of DC movies. It's obviously got tied into the controversy with Black Adam and obviously everything leading with James Gunn and all that. So I don't want to say it was doomed to fail, but by all intents and purposes, it looked like it was doomed to fail. Yeah, it's they certainly didn't do any favors for the movie. Hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with that. And it's something that was cost. 200 million dollars to make or thereabouts even if it costs right around 150 million this movie is going to lose money overall and to me i have to give that an f yeah agreed yeah i think so d minus i don't know okay yeah d minus you're very you're much kinder than i am you're much kinder than i am indeed but it's my canadian showing there you go absolutely (laughs) Uh, another movie that came around that time was cocaine bear Cocaine Bear was a movie that uh, actually didn't, people didn't think it was going to be very much of a hit. uh, And it did, for all intents and purposes, do a profit at the box office overall. I think it was a 20 to $30 million cost movie. And it cost, and it made $89 million at the box office. And it's done well since then in its streaming capacities as far as rentals, pay per views, things of that nature. Air is another movie that came around that time. Uh, it's now on Amazon. So if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually catch Air. That also did $89 million. Both of these movies, I'm going to give a solid B for. I think that they won't be given any type of uh, thought as far as uh, Air, maybe for later on for some Oscar consideration. But I even think that's not. it's not that great of a movie, but it was really solid enough. Your thoughts on both Air and Cocaine Bear? Well, okay, so Cocaine Bear is one of those movies that's going to become a cult classic. That's what's Mm -hmm. going to happen with that movie. So because of that, I'm okay with the B grading that you gave it. Mm -hmm. But for Air, I'm going to be a little bit harder on, even though Viola Davis, brilliant, please, Mm -hmm. all hail the queen. I think that movie just I'm, I'm not I don't know I, if it to me it felt like it missed something I don't know what that is I, I don't I can't quite put my finger on it it just didn't quite do something for me and I'm, I'm not sure what it was that was missing um but um I I would give that movie like a b minus maybe even a c really okay yeah. fair enough fair enough I'm just uh intrigued on that because it seems to have gotten a good perception as far mm-hmm. as overall and you know, decent box office running for that comparative yeah. to what it costs. So mm-hmm. I think that uh, maybe because you're, are you associated because of the fact that the Matt David Ben Ben Affleck part of it, is that what it's probably the reason why you're not, not as high on the overall performance? No, I don't think so. I, I don't mind a, a Matt Damon, Ben Affleck. Film. Well, you just, I, did I'm you expected more. 
Maybe, maybe, yeah. I I don't know. I'm like I said, I'm I'm not quite sure what it was, but there was just something that was missing. There was just something that didn't uh, it didn't grab me. There were parts of it that you know missed. Thanks for checking out the PCC. You know the pop culture cosmos. We'll be back in one moment. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. One movie I think that you and I were both very disappointed in that it did not perform well, and that isn't the vampire genre, is Renfield. As Mm -hmm. this movie with Nicholas Holt, Nicholas Cage... I really wanted to do well. Unfortunately, it only garnered $26 million at the box office. It was a failure upon all. Not, not. Uh, I guess it will go down as a failure and a bomb, but it was didn't cost that much as far as the movie is concerned, but still has to be disappointing. You know, Nicolas Cage is getting a lot more high-profile roles. This didn't help him because as much as I enjoyed the interactions between Nicholas Holt and Nicolas Cage, there was not enough of it because everything around it was absolutely horrible and some of the worst things I've seen in in uh, movies in probably a couple of years since since yeah. the Matrix since yeah. the Matrix and the <laughs> the movie with Chris Pratt that we talked about that was some of our worst of uh, movies so I think yeah. this yeah Renfield everything outside of their conversations was really that bad yeah and that's too bad because as you said i you know there there were expectations around this one for both of us i think yeah. and uh yeah just seeing it not quite uh you know uh suck the blood the 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 box office dry i no, that's terrible no i'm just gonna take that back out of the universe and put that back in my brain um uh no they just uh yeah it was unfortunate we had big expectations for that so yeah Unfortunately, it did not hypnotize and suck the blood out of audiences. Unfortunately, it's only sucking up red ink for the movie. Yeah. See, company. there it is, Farrell. There, there it is. That's absolutely. The one. Yeah. There you go. Absolutely, indeed. But before we head on out, my friend, I do want to touch on some of the bigger movies. One movie that you did ask about is John Wick Chapter Four. Mm-hmm. Uh, this series, again, this comes from a very small movie. As far as cost-wise, it's a garnered profits every time it has. Even John Wick Chapter 4, which has, what, an 80 to $100 million budget, still earned $432 million worldwide. They're already planning, even though I cannot tell you the ending as the spoilers. I'm just going to say it's going to be very inventive and creative how they create a John Wick Chapter 5. But it is I'm, what I'm told by the executives that were have been in interviews saying that there is one on the way. Your thoughts on John Wick Chapter 4? I think it gets a solid B plus for me. Oh, yeah, easily. It easily gets that grade. Um, and I'm, I'm excited for everything that's coming down the pipeline in the John Wick universe, like the Continental, uh, the show that uh, is going to be focusing more on the ballerinas and, and what mm-hmm. they were all about. Uh, I'm really excited to get into that universe and, and explore it uh, a little bit deeper. 
Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania was the really first thing that came off was right around Valentine's Day. That one absolutely has been talked about at nauseum as far as the first week did so well, over $100 million at the box office. But unfortunately, uh, it really just the word of mouth and it had one of the worst second weeks for any Marvel movie in history and ended up only getting $463 million. I think for this one, it gets a D. I think it really just disappointed. A D for disappointment for Disney. A lot of Ds there, my friend, on Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania. Yeah, I'm going to go C- minus on it. I, I recently watched the movie, and uh, I mean, I, I I was whelmed. I was not overwhelmed by the movie. Um, it, it delivered on the things that I expected it to deliver on. Uh, you know, it, it had the the Paul Rudd sass in the moments where the, the Paul Rudd sass was needed uh, to, to kind of carry a scene or, or whatever. And, uh, and no, it was it was a it was an Ant-Man movie. That's really the, the best way that I can put it. Well, again, uh, you're a lot kinder than I am on that because I know it was a D for disappointment for Disney. Yeah. I will say, though, speaking of Disney, they did have The Little Mermaid, which came out over the Memorial Day holiday has earned $424 million, 239 of which is at the domestic theater. So it's done good, pretty good, pretty darn good in domestically, but very mixed overseas because of some issues, political or, uh, you know, culture-wise, whatever you want to say. It has not resonated with an international audience, and I think the way that Disney had hoped. So $424 million total worldwide. I'm going to give it a B minus. Uh, I think that it could have been doing done so. I could have been something much more special. I think had it been embraced by an audience worldwide as much as it has been in the U.S. A lot of the critiques that I'm seeing uh, about the movie are not so much with how the movie was cast, but actually a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing conversation around is actually the the makeup that they did for Ursula. And they, a lot of folks are saying you should have hired a drag queen makeup artist because Ursula was inspired by a, a drag queen. And uh, to have somebody do a lackluster, um, almost not caricature of drag makeup, but it was, a, again, a kind of an underwhelming uh, kind of delivery on the makeup that we expected to see on a live action Ursula, I think is the roundabout way to get at what I'm trying to say. So, you know, I'm seeing a lot of conversation about that more so than I am about the original controversy over the casting. Creed 3 also came out this in this time period and actually did pretty solid. $274 million at the box office. I'm going to give that a solid B, B+. Plus. I also want to go ahead and mention Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which came out earlier this month. That's at $411 million already. I think that's doing very well. I'm going to give that a, an A- minus right now. I think it's doing extremely well. Your thoughts on Creed 3 and Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? Uh, so the Creed movies are movies that I haven't really gravitated towards. So I, I don't really have a, a sense of how uh, this Creed did in comparison to Creed 2 or uh, Creed. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to stick with your grading on that one because I am not informed enough to really, uh, you know, uh, debate on that one. Anything with Michael B. Jordan in it, I am probably going to watch eventually. I'll get to it. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough indeed. But Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, I think it's doing really well. Its hold is pretty good. 
I think that it's going to earn some good money. I think by the time it ends its run, you'll see seven, eight hundred million dollars most likely, or maybe a little bit less than that, but still mm-hmm. a big win for Sony indeed. Before we head on out, the last three movies I want to go ahead and touch on. Fast X, which I just finished watching, and I can't get those two and a half hours of my life back, and I'm so sorry <laughs> that I did watch it. Jason Momoa, who people are saying is the best thing about the movie, I think to me was probably one of the not so best parts of the movie. I just think he tried to so hard to be the Joker and unfortunately didn't come across as such. Plus the dialogue with everybody else is so bad. It just, it reeks. If it was food and put on my table, I would throw it out. So overall, I thought the movie absolutely stunk, but the movie always generates, as I told you before, when we were talking about it, generates a ton of dollars overseas. 540 of the $680 million is overseas just almost 80% share overseas. And I'll tell you what, Fast X for that is going to get a solid B for that, even though it's not going to do anywhere near some of the other Fast movies have done, which have done over a billion dollars. Still, generating that type of money overseas for a movie this bad, I think it's got to be appreciated. Yeah, I think so too. And honestly, I um, was a little bit surprised because um, uh, my girls back home in Nova Scotia, um, Janet, who is part of Wizards and Wine, she went to see it in theaters and she really said that it was a lot of fun and she would consider seeing the movie again. So I know it's, no, <laughs> of course. Uh, Janet is also a lover of like B horror movies. Like she loves oh, those. There you go. So perhaps a, a little bit of that cheese um, is uh, what appealed to her. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. But the last two movies we'll touch on are the highest two grossing so far this year. I think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, this is a little bit of a disappointment overall because it has generated, it will generate a profit. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. But at $800 million and probably not going to get that much higher, uh, you know, for a first week of May Marvel movie and touching on that, that's a, maybe part of the reason why they're shaking up so many movies over the next few years. I know the avatars got extended out to 2031, which actually kind of ticked off Zoe Saldana because she said she'll be my age when the time that they're finally all <laughs> said and done. Uh, then, then we talked about Deadpool three being moved up to a May release because they think it's a better shot for them than, yeah. than Captain America. You know, they moved that back to July, did a whole bunch of things, added the, some, you know, possible star Wars movies that, that in some slots as well. And some other Disney movies, but when it comes down to it, Guardians of the Galaxy volume three, not earning over a billion dollars, I think is a miss, a little bit of a disappointment. I'm giving it a B minus. Okay, I, I think that's fair. Uh, also, I think that it's silly that Captain America movies don't come out on or around July 1st. 4th, yep. sorry. I got confused with Canada for a second. Well, there is a July movie next year. Captain America is bumped back, but it's later in in July. So, yeah. Yeah, so I think yeah that's it's, it's like Star Wars movies not coming out in or around May 4th. It just seems silly. Yeah. It just seems silly. And, and again... The first week of May has always been dominated by Marvel the past, what, 10, 12, 13 years. And unfortunately, you know, for Disney, it's not going to meet the, the lofty numbers that they're used to. Even Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness last year earned over a billion dollars. And, yeah. you know, obviously with that, you know, that's a May release as well. And that's a movie I didn't think highly of 
Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, most people are thinking it's a better movie than that, and it didn't generate that much uh, enough money, I think, in the eyes of Disney. So that's kind of a little bit of a disappointment there. But one thing that's not a disappointment, and the big winner so far this year, is Universal and Illuminations, the Super Mario Brothers movie, and that gets A+. That has done gangbusters. I just got a chance to also see that. It's cute for what it is. Uh, it is short. They were smart enough to go ahead and not make it, you know, not extend their their welcome. One point three billion dollars at the box office, a plus for Universe. Yeah, that uh, that nostalgia. Yeah, that that nostalgia uh, is strong when it comes to Super Mario Brothers, and I think that. Uh, you know, doing the correct thing and making it truly a kids movie and, and keeping some of the those jokes that uh, are in there for the wink wink adults in the in the theater, uh, I think was was really smart of them. Well, there you go, my friend. Some great thoughts from you and what was going on in the theater so far. I, hopefully we will go ahead and revisit that either later this year or maybe at the end of the summer as far as what the rest of the movies did, starting with The Flash this weekend. So let me hear your thoughts out there on if you would give any of the movies, the big movies, or even medium-sized movies, or even smaller movies like Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Amongst Thieves. We didn't even talk about that, although that's kind of like a sore spot for us because we know that disappointed at the box office for such a movie that was so revered. So I don't want to really want to give that one a grade because I'm kind of hurts me right here when I talk about it. But if you have thoughts on the movies in the box office so far and what grades you would give it, let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well my friend as always great to have you here any last thoughts before we head on out man um i have done some more uh, kind of tomorrow is going to be our final tech tests to make sure that everything for the stream for the kickoff of season three for vampires and Vitae will go full lawlessly. So uh, we're, we're very excited about that. Uh, final details of characters are starting to come to life and uh, all of that kind of stuff as well. So uh, if you are at all interested, you can find vampires and Vitae on YouTube. Uh, we would love to see you for the stream. Um, give us a subscription, you know, drop, drop a little subscribe there if you don't mind. And uh you know, even if you never watch it again, that would be fine. Uh, you know, I'm just kidding. No, we want you to no. be there every single episode. Yeah. We um, want them so, there every time. Of course. Every yeah. We, we just, we work really, really hard on the show and um, we hope that uh, the passion that we have for the show uh, comes through on the stream. Well, there you go. Yeah. It is Vampires and Vitae, Wild Beyond the Witchlight with the Wizards and Wine. Also, what she does with Forbidden Lands and everything. Basin, oh my gosh, she is just the queen of tabletop RPG. And you can catch it all on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm just wishing you the best of luck. Don't bite on Robbie Ross, your husband's neck, too hard and produce that much blood. Although it would make for good YouTube, I will tell you that. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's just great to have you here, though. It's just I'm so thankful and so blessed. Looking forward to our conversation next week. Well, until we get to Final Fantasy, which we got to talk about, which I'm not yeah. loving to a conversation on that. Maybe we already have some early thoughts on, on Secret Invasion. Oh, my gosh. The summer never ends with pop culture, and I'm really enjoying it as well. Yeah, no, I'm I'm excited to to see what Final Fantasy is going to do and and how that rollout is going to happen. I'm still I'm sorry I'm still so wrapped up in Diablo Four that I forget that there are other things happening in the world sometimes. So of course, of course, yeah. indeed. So 
That is Melinda, Diablo fanatic, and also their tabletop RPG queen. And you can go ahead and check her out along with the great crew and the great cast, Vampires Vitae, this weekend for season three. So from Melinda Barkhouse Ross, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.